The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, welcome everyone. I'm Dr. Ron Hunting-Hockey and I'll be hosting another episode of the Real Health Podcast. And I'm delighted today to have one of my favorite persons on, which is Dr. Kirsten West, who's our naturopathic oncologist here at Reardon Clinic. And since this is Nutrition Month, when we're recording this, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit uh, about what I'm just going to call anti-cancer food choices. So this is hopefully relevant to people who are wanting to avoid getting cancer, but also very relevant to those of you who are dealing with cancer or you have family members with cancer. This should be uh, good information. So Kirsten, thank you very much for being on our program today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here as always. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people have heard this whole story about when you get cancer, you know, you have to make these drastic changes and, and you have to become a vegetarian and you can't have this and you can't do that. Can we kind of today kind of give people, both people who have cancer, people who are wanting to avoid cancer, what are some of the basic principles really of healthy food eating that will help us uh, reduce our risk for cancer. And if we do have cancer, will help us get uh, better outcomes in our, in our therapy. So what would you think when you, th- when, when you think about what's some of the most important things, what comes to your mind about food? I think getting back to our roots. I think that we've become a society of ease and comfort and quick fix. And so what's happened is we've incorporated a bunch of processed foods in our dietary intake and in our lives. And so I think that it's really important for us to get back to, you know, clean eating, vegetables, fruits, clean proteins. I think that what happens for several cancer patients is fear is a very, as soon as you're diagnosed with cancer, that is a loaded word. It comes with a lot of fear. You get on the internet and you start diving in and it seems like there's one size fits all diet once you have cancer and there really isn't. It's very individualized which is what we do as doctors obviously help to figure out what the best diet is for somebody or food intake. I don't, I don't even like the word diet. Um, but I think it is important to realize that it's not all about a vegan or a vegetarian diet or going keto or doing this or doing that. I mean, for some people it is, but figuring that out is key. I think, like I said, getting back to the basics, focusing on unprocessed foods, Mediterranean diet is always my first go-to until we know more. Yeah. I like to, tell patients that look for color because uh, colorful vegetables predominantly and fruits, they are rich in phytonutrients. And we do know that these 
phytonutrients, uh, diendylmethane, you know, for instance, they're, it's very high in cruciferous vegetables. This helps block estrogen receptors, things like that. It helps your liver detoxify. And you you can go through this long list of the phytonutrients and all the good they do to help us stay healthy. And if we have cancer to help us uh, overcome the cancer. So that's, so just seeing two, three, four colors on your plate when you, when you sit down to eat, that's one really good thing. So The other thing I might add to that, um, very good point about the colors, being as colorful as we can. Um, I love the thought of just making a big salad with, you know, even fruits in that salad and lots of different colored vegetables and, and olive oil, olive oil. My patients always hear me say that olive oil is one of the best things you can do. Um, but I think the other thing that we need to remember is for so, gosh, for the past hundred years in the American diet, we've kind of thought as the protein as the main star of the meal like, you know, the steak or the big piece of chicken or whatever. And what we really need to be doing is looking at the vegetables and the nuts and the seeds and the oil as the main stars of the meal and that protein being the sidecar. Yeah. The other part about the vegetables is that we're really, if you stop and think about it, one of the most important thing we things we can do is take good care of the good bacteria in our guts and they predominantly like vegetables and fiber. Matter of fact, they live on fiber. And yeah. if we have good gut uh, foods, uh, then our immune system is going to be better. And a, and a big part of avoiding cancer and treating cancer is optimizing the immune system. So these colorful, high fiber foods uh, help take care of our gut flora. Absolutely. So true. There's actually a bacteria in our gut called bifidobacterium and it makes the majority of our B12. So some of our B12 production is in our gut and we want to keep those guys happy. And so some of the best things we can do, asparagus, leeks, those are two big foods that have so many prebiotics. And they, and the colors also are anti-inflammatory. And so keep keeping uh, inflammation under control is a, is a crucial part of staying healthy in general and uh, certainly conquering cancer. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah. now the, uh, one of the things that I think we should deal with, uh, a lot of people assume that when they get cancer, they're going to have to go vegetarian, but, right. but that's not necessarily true. It's not true. It's not true. And I think you can get online the second, I mean, I, I, a lot of the new patients that I see have gone completely vegetarian or vegan have started juicing. And in fact, that's really may not be the best thing because doing a completely vegetarian vegan diet and juicing may actually increase blood glucose. And we know that blood glucose is not the best thing with cancer. I mean, if it's done correctly, you can, you can manage or mitigate the blood glucose spikes. But I think the reason animal proteins have gotten such a bad rap is because of the way that we source them in this country now. Yeah. Animal protein in its inherently isn't bad, but the way that we raise our animals in this country is not the best. You mean you mean the cows are not raised on the farm anymore where we, no. we give them names and take really good care of them and make sure they eat lots of green grass and stuff like that, but they don't yeah, do that anymore. Unfortunately not. And, oh. and I just wrote an article for us um, about CAFOs, which are concentrated animal feeding operations. And there's about, gosh, um, thousands of animals kept in a small perimeter 
and they're on top of each other. And of course, those animals, not only are they unhappy, so we can talk about animal welfare, but they're given antibiotics to stop disease, growth hormones to fatten them up. Um, and all of that, I mean, that is not, that's not the meat we should be eating. Well, you know, there's, there's that saying, you, you are what you eat, ate. And so yes. what, what, the, uh, what these large operations, the cows anyway, they, they consume a lot of soy and a lot of corn. Yeah. And so right away you're getting into glyphosate issues and soy and corn have the, the wrong uh, polyunsaturates in them that are not so good for us. They are more inflammatory and cause weight gain and uh, set people up for blood sugar problems and all kinds of things. Um, It changes the whole fatty acid composition of the meat causing increased inflammation. So they've done studies on that. So when you look at, and I want to make an important distinction here between grass fed and grass finished. A lot of people will go out and they think that, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not getting the mass farmed cows. I'm getting grass finished grass fed cows. But the, the thing is, is that a grass-fed cow can be fed grain for the majority of their life, only given grass for a little bit of it. So they're grass-fed and they're like, well, I'm buying grass-fed meat. Grass-finished is what you want. Grass-finished is a completely pasteurized animal. And they've done studies comparing the fatty acid composition in those animals compared to the animals that are fed grains, soy, corn. It's a completely different ballgame. And they're actually, those those meats are healthy for us. Yeah. So these animals, and we were, were we mentioned cows, but you could you could talk about pigs and chickens. Pigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they're all in this uh, kind of environment, which unfortunately, when we eat their meat, it sets us up for the metabolic syndrome. The metabolic yeah. syndrome is where we are pre-diabetic, and then we become diabetic, and then we have increased inflammation, and then we put on extra weight ourselves, and then. Uh, autoimmune diseases and and then down that road is here comes cancer you know cancer is yeah. one of the big consequences of the metabolic syndrome not just diabetes diabetes is a big one but cancer is following right along in its footsteps and so yeah. so people have to think that their food choices they're making today do have consequences uh, they do down the road They do. And a lot of people ask, well, you know, they're going to be doing these CAFOs. They're going to be having these large operations. So how can I make a difference? And the way that you make a difference is actively seeking better choices when you go to the grocery store, because the more that the population consumers look for certain things, the more that practices are going to change. There's a lot more to this conversation, and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Live On Labs, makers of liposomal vitamins and supplements. Live On uses a liposomal encapsulation technology to protect nutrients from destruction in the digestive system. This allows for more efficient delivery of essential vitamins and nutrients. Choose from various supplements that support health and well-being, such as lipospheric vitamin C, magnesium, glutathione, and more. To learn more, visit Live On Labs. That's L-I-V-O-N Labs.com. Yeah, our pocketbook is our, our most powerful uh, way of modifying these these trends and how people are eating. And so, and none of this means that we have to kind of like uh, restrict ourselves or deny ourselves. Frankly, since uh, my wife and I, when we started, you know, uh, 
when the pandemic started, we decided to stop eating out so much at restaurants. Not against yeah. restaurants, but they a lot of times it's the wrong oils, or they right. they 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 don't make any big distinction about the quality of the meats or whatever. But just cooking on our own at home, right. it's kind of like we re rediscovered the f the joy of cooking. Mm -hmm. We uh, we were able to make better choices. We enjoyed our food more, and the company that we had with each other. So there was a lot of things that are kind of anti-cancer about just taking more control of your own cooking choices and, and eating yes. at home. Yeah. We, you know, it's interesting. We have a French au pair currently and watching the, his practices around food is very different from America. He doesn't really know what it is to go eat out. You know, even he said, even if he would go out and be out, you know, with friends until 9 PM, it wasn't ever a thought, Oh, I'm going to stop and get takeout. It's I'm going to go home and make the food that I have in my refrigerator and cook. So it's just America has a very different take on what, you know, again, it comes back to ease for us. What, what we think is easiest and quickest may not be the best for us health-wise. So, That's right. That's right. So yeah. is there anything in your own personal dietary choices that you've adopted that kind of fit into this anti-cancer uh mode of, 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 of eating yeah, that we're talking yeah. about? You know, I think, I think a couple things, I think that the reason cancer may be so prevalent in the American society, and you know, it's becoming a worldwide issue yeah. um, is that we really do tend to have our arachidonic versus omega-3 fatty acid skewed. Um, in the dietary intake of most Americans, even if you are eating healthier, we tend to get too many omega-6s and omega-6s are inflammatory. And the more that you have chronic low-grade inflammation from something that you eat every day, you're setting yourself up for potential disease in the future. So one thing that we've really adopted is I pay attention a lot to the types of fats that we're eating in our household. So olive oil, nuts, seeds, um, anchovies, um, not yet for my son, two-year-old, maybe one day anchovies, um, wild caught salmon, uh, things like that, you know, really making a conscious choice and a conscious, being conscious and aware of the type of fats that we are eating is a big one. Um, and adding those to those veggies, because the more fats that you add to veggies, the more you're going to absorb those nutrients. That's right. So now and then the timing of the meals too, can be really important. I was just going to say that the timing of the meals is very important too. You know, our society have, has progressed almost too fast for our physiological makeup. And we, our bodies are used to having periods of time away from food. And we just don't have it that much anymore because we have, eat, we have the ease of getting a snack whenever we want it. So I think that we need to start instilling and more, more and more data is coming out showing that intermittent fasting or more time away from meals is actually very beneficial for our health in so many ways. Something as simple as getting 13 hours a night, making sure that you have 13 hours a day away from food. That's not much. You think, you know, key is so 13 hours at night after you finish dinner, but that key to that 13 hours is having that three hours between finishing dinner and going to bed. It's something that, yeah, that's huge because your quality of sleep uh, has a big role to play in your overall health, your sense of well-being, your energy the next day, but it also is an anti-cancer kind of Absolutely. behavior. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, because you can, you can more easily uh, d 
develop that metabolic flexibility if you're if you're going for at least 12 to 15 hours between meals and if you're snacking right up to bedtime your your a lot of your blood is going to be going to your gut to try to digest that and you're not having as much for the detoxification that you need to do during the night right or autophagy which is you autophagy. know getting rid of those those cells that need to be gotten rid of so that's another aspect of fasting that is so beautiful. It gives the body time to do heal and repair and do all the cleanup it needs to do. The other key to that fasting is, you know, I think we forget about what breakfast means. Breakfast means breaking your fast, right? So one of the keys to breakfast is making sure that you're not starting with cereal or starting with, which is a processed food, which we again need to get away from, but focusing on more of a protein fat meal for breakfast so that our blood sugar is not fluctuating the first time we put something in our mouth on waking. Just the mere fact that we eat together more and have a really good conversation and develop our relationships because we we know that broken relationships and stress, that mm -hmm. is a promotion of cancer and other chronic illnesses as well. And so People are so eat, used to eating on the run now, uh, and very or bringing in uh, outside meals, and it's it's all very fractured and fragmented. And so, if we can get that kind of cohesiveness within our relationships and our families, that can actually help our immune system. Absolutely, the com food should be communal. That's how it was meant to be. So it's therapeutic in in so many ways. And you know. We once again back to our 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 whole uh, metabolic approach to cancer, which you you know have done lots of training in. You and I both have. Mm -hmm. uh, we we have to take uh, care of all of these different terrains within our body, and uh, try to turn it into a kind of symphony. And I right. think I think when people are working at this and flowing with food and and timing and all the various things we've just discussed. Um, I, I feel like they, they have a greater sense of inner harmony and that's going to help them, uh, develop better immune function. Just that alone. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you look at the train 10 food, you could, you could see how food could impact every single one of those. Ah, right. Right. So it's, it's big, it's foundational for us. Food should be a time to de-stress, detoxify, right. re uh, instill a sense of cohesiveness in relationships because a lot of the stress that we have is PTSD, post-traumatic. But if you can mm -hmm. have that togetherness with people and build a really healthy meal together, that has a tremendous healing effect upon the relationships as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those relationships are so important. And PTSD is a very big, it's a very real thing after a diagnosis of cancer. So... Well, I think this gives us a really good foundation of thought, and I'm I'm hoping everyone is uh, drooling a little bit, thinking about all the good foods that they're going to be eating, right? the changes right? they're going to be making. But it is it is a process of choice and and habits, and being willing to take the extra time and spend a little bit of extra money in order to buy the better colors, get the the uh, more organic foods. Uh, think about where the meats are coming from and uh, use the power of your pocketbook to help make changes in our society as well. Because a lot of this, it's it's a social phenomenon that the that the rate of cancer is going up. But if we mm -hmm. if we make if we uh, identify these key factors, 
we can all make better choices. So personally, we have a lower risk of cancer. And as a society, we can be healthier and at a lower risk for chronic illness as well. Right, right. Food is food is therapy. We can make food therapy. Food is medicine. It is medicine. It is medicine. And and again, just to you know, bring home the fact that there's no one right diet for everybody. And it really is based on an individual basis. But when in doubt, low-carb Mediterranean is the way to go. Okay, very good. So. Well, Dr. Kirsten West, thank you so, so much for being on our Real Health Podcast. And here's to you. Oh, thanks. Here's to sharing a meal together soon. That's right. All yes. Right, thanks a lot. Okay, thanks, Dr. Ron. Thank you for listening to the Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.